With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Travis Ryer with a reminder that Second Helping is now a part of a new network. That's right. Moving forward, Second Helping is teamed with the Pigskin Podcast Network. Now, with the Pigskin Podcast Network as our primary platform, you'll still be able to hear us wherever you consume podcasts and will be brought to you in part by DraftKings, a partnership we'll tell you more about a little later in the program. For now, though, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network, alongside my great friend and co-host Brent Beard, longtime college football analyst, most recently First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Brent, also a voter in the race for the most prestigious individual honor in collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. Brent, I'm fresh from uh, Austin, <laughs> Texas. And, uh, you know, we're going to have SEC talk with Texas more and more in the coming years. And I think that that trip to Austin, for a lot of SEC fans, it's going to be kind of what Nashville has been. Because yeah. Austin is a city right now. Nashville is a city right now. I don't know if you don't, if we're, if we're talking about just exploding markets, you can find two more that are booming like those. Oh, listen, the, uh, um, as far as the, the people who are moving there, can you, uh, Trav, I wonder if you can get an apartment or a house any, no. any, anywhere for any kind of a decent price and in the, uh, uh, that the excitement in in those cities right now, uh, certainly for sports, I'm sure is it, it probably also at an all time high, isn't it? Oh man, I had an Uber driver during the trip, and younger guy, mm-hmm. and he said he was in a five bedroom house with four other roommates, and he was paying five hundred a month, and I and that's a steal out there. <laughs> now he's got four roommates. Man. But he said, I, I don't see myself moving anytime soon. He says, even no. if I get married, this might be the situation that we're in because uh, it's not cheap out there. You got no. most of California, best I can tell, infiltrating no. the Austin yeah. area as well. But had some good barbecue, uh, enjoyed a hell of a football game that we'll talk about coming yes. up here in just a little bit in front of a record crowd at Daryl K. Royal. Memorial Stadium of 105,000 plus. So good trip, uh, good football game. We'll talk Alabama, Texas a little bit more coming up in just a little bit. We're going to start with these top 10 ranked, though. Kentucky Wildcats, who went into Gainesville Saturday night and took out the homestanding Florida Gators in a critical early season SEC Eastern Division matchup, Brent. They really have uh, impressed a lot of people. Uh, they're ranked uh, uh, well and, and as they should be, and that should continue. Will Levis uh, certainly was impressive uh, on the day. Gosh, Travis, I wonder if they'd had Chris Rodriguez in the backfield, what that game would have been. 
uh, at that point too. But uh, they they have proven that they have got uh, Trev. Is that is that easily one of the best linebacker rooms uh, in the entire SEC that no one talks about? Uh, and and again, sixty one wins breaks Coach Paul Brandt's record. Uh, and what to me what they have done uh, is just a testimony to Mark Stoops uh, and his consistency uh, in staying there and what he has proven over this time in this team. I think is as tough as he is in a lot of ways. And there, look, there are people and people laughed at this in the beginning, uh, but there are folks looking at them. Uh, at, at this point, Travis, and obviously they will win an easy game over Youngstown State, even though Youngstown State's got a good reputation too. But there are folks looking at them, Trav, is maybe by the end of the year either being 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. Yeah, they are kind of Ole Miss from a year ago at they this are. point, aren't they? In terms of what their New Year's six potential might be from a bowl perspective. And who knows that matchup with Georgia down the stretch is certainly going to be pivotal. You would think at this point, but even if Kentucky and Florida and Tennessee aren't necessarily to Georgia's level just yet, Mm -hmm. just watching these three teams play it off between themselves, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee, Florida coming up here uh, in just a little bit, man, I'm, I'm excited about SEC Eastern Division football yeah. beyond one team for a change, whether it's been Florida in the past or Georgia in the past. Uh, I, I'm ready to watch some more of the East because of teams like Kentucky and, and Florida showing signs under Billy Napier. And uh, we'll talk about Tennessee a little bit more here in just a little bit. But it's the Stoops Bowl in Lexington. Hometown team coming to visit Mark Stoops. The Stoops, of course, Long known as Youngstown people there. So uh, should be interesting from that perspective. Saturday, that's a noon kickoff, SEC Network. Also at noon in that window. The Wolves are out a little bit in Columbia, Missouri this week following the showing of the Tigers against Kansas State in Manhattan on Saturday. Eli Drinkwitz, known for his offensive prowess. Um, We didn't see a lot of that from Missouri. We wondered about the run defense after a year ago. I don't think they checked a lot of boxes in that area either, Brent, in the loss to K-State. No, they just got blown out, frankly, uh, 40-12. Very uh, frustrating win. Brady Cook, frankly, Trav was awful, 15-27 uh, for 128. And boy, that rushing defense, as you've talked about over the last few months, uh, went much improved, was it, pal? 235 yards they gave up uh, in that. And again, Kansas State's a pretty decent football team, but I think what Missouri fans can't handle right now is just virtually not showing up for this game. More pressure on Eli Drinkwith. Uh, Blake Baker, the D coordinator, says that Marcus Clark, a cornerback uh, who transferred from Miami, has been cleared so hopefully he can be able to uh, help them a little bit. Uh, but And you throw Jack Abraham in there, uh, and the quarterbacks combined were 15 of 30 for 128. So we're not, we're not saying that Drinkwith is going to be fired tomorrow, uh, but Trav, they, 
what they they showed maybe a little bit of an inkling early on uh, that they would be some improvement, but boy, it sure didn't show up last Saturday. No, uh, in in the critical areas, I thought Kansas State was a nice measuring stick for us yes. and people like that do what we do to kind of see if Missouri had actually improved in some of those aforementioned areas. It didn't show up on Saturday. The quarterback situation continues to be a concern. Is Cook a legitimate guy at the position? Uh, we talk about Jack Abraham. This was a guy who was at Southern Miss a few years ago, bounced to Mississippi State, wasn't going to win the job there with Will Rogers. Now he's at Missouri. Uh, it should be a get-right week for Missouri coming up with Abilene Christian in town. We'll see, though. ACU's 2-0. And we know, we know upsets can happen in these yes. in this league these days. We're going to talk about a few of those coming up in just a little bit. Also in that noon window Eastern on Saturday, an ESPN game, the Georgia Bulldogs fresh off their FCS Saturday win over the Sanford Bulldogs. Another shutout for Georgia in that one. Travel to Columbia, South Carolina. Talk about teams we wanted to get some answers from in week two. South Carolina was one of those teams, Brent, going on the road to Arkansas. And I think humbling may be the best way to put it. The final score didn't look that bad. Give Spencer Rattler some credit, mm-hmm. the quarterback for South Carolina. Put up some big numbers on the road there. But the rush defense and just the physicality up front on both lines of scrimmage you worried about South Carolina against Arkansas from that perspective, and I think those those worries were validated after Saturday. Yeah, they really were. Uh, Rattler 24-39-376, which is not bad. But, look, uh, they've got to be balanced, and they were not. I mean, they merciful heavens, they had 40 yards net rushing. They are last, Trav, in the SEC in rushing right now. We thought with – Marshawn Lloyd coming back, uh, that that would help them. Uh, and I think he'll, he'll eventually be okay. Uh, Lloyd will, uh, but boy, that, that is, uh, it's just not work. Now, Antoine Wells wide receiver from James Madison, uh, has been helping them a little bit, uh, along that line, Austin Stogner, a guy we pointed out, uh, the tight end had five catches for 68 yards, uh, but, but Trav, again, it seemed like bad news follows them all the time. South Carolina uh, for, have lost Muhammad Kamba and also Jordan Strachnan, uh for the remainder of the year, both torn ACLs. Mm. Man, alive. Yeah. It, it just seems like that just is a, uh, is a difficult task for them to overcome. Uh, and look, it's not going to get any better by any stretch of the imagination is they're facing Georgia, who arguably right now, uh, Travis, is not only the most consistent team in the SEC, uh, uh, they are arguably the most consistent team in the country, which is why they're at the number one spot at this point. Absolutely. Stetson Bennett in the win over Samford, another 300-yard passing performance. Kendall Milton, Kenny McIntosh at the running back positions, doing some good things. A team, as we know, pretty centric on the offensive side when it comes to backs and tight ends. And it's an identity that's working extremely well for Georgia. I think they're also getting some improved play uh, mm-hmm. on the outside uh, in terms of depth, too. Not just one or two guys there at the top of that rotation, getting some guys back healthy and 
Uh, I think the best is yet to come. I don't think this Georgia team has reached a ceiling. I think Georgia really not a good match. If if Arkansas wasn't a good matchup yes. for you, up oh, yeah, yeah, and your South Carolina, I don't think it's going to get any better this week oh. with the with the Georgia Bulldogs coming to town. Well, and and again, the the thing Georgia's done defensively it really just continues to uh, uh, to, to leap out at us. Nine shutouts since 2016. That's the most in Division One. Eighteen games, Trav, uh, where the defense has not allowed a single touchdown. So, uh, and look, uh, you say people say what they want to about Will Muschamp, who is now one of the D coordinators at Georgia. Uh, Will struggles offensively. And Will struggles as a head coach, but as a D coordinator, he is just continuing this Georgia consistency uh, on that side of the ball. Haven't given up a touchdown yet. Sets of as you said, continues to be about as consistent at this point as he can be. So uh, Travis, almost the perfect world for the dogs. Uh, they, they're winning uh, almost without breaking a sweat. They're playing a lot of players. Yeah, staying healthy in the process. Uh, they they had pretty good injury luck a year ago on that run to the national championship, and knock on wood, so far so good from that perspective as well. We get into the 3.30 window coming up on Saturday. Uh, your SEC CBS 3.30 debut for the 2022 season, I guess, Brent. Penn State traveling to the Plains to take on the Auburn Tigers Auburn not especially dominant in a win over a San Jose State team that won its opener over Portland State by four. Uh, Comparative scores can get you in trouble. We know that. Uh, But I got trust issues with both these teams. I give Penn State credit in doing what it did on the road in its opener at Purdue. And I think that those trust issues, for me anyway, start at the quarterback position for both these teams. Uh, with Clifford and Finley and maybe some Robbie Ashford mixed in there for the Auburn Tigers. But a win's a win, and Brian Harson's team 2-0 and after Saturday night. Uh, and a concern, too, is uh, uh, Auburn not having the production running the ball. I mean, Tank Bigsby was 13-51 uh, in that game. I think he'll be they'll ride him uh, rather hard coming up. Against Penn State, Finley 13 to 20, 167. Robbie Ashford, uh, as you mentioned, was able to get in. Uh, issues for Auburn early: lack of playmakers at wide receiver, inconsistent quarterback play, as we as we have pointed out uh, through this time. Defensively, I think Auburn's playing pretty well. Derek Hall is one of those guys who uh, is playing well. Eight tackles, seven quarterback pressures uh in that game too now what has got my attention for penn state trav is they for the first time in a while they've got a little bit of a running game this freshman nick singleton is getting some Mm -hmm. attention 10 for 179 uh trav again uh a lot of eyes will be on the quarterbacks but i'm wondering for uh, this game, and by the way, Penn State five and five in the last ten games. So this is frankly a huge game for both of this team. The the the, the eyes going to be on the quarterbacks, but Trav, who runs the ball the best, may end up sealing the deal for the winning team. 
Rubber meets the road game for the Auburn Tigers. This is the one we've been anticipating. This is the one that sort of starts the the either you are or you aren't stretch for Brian Harson's team. And you know, depending on how things go Saturday, it, it could be an unraveling or it could be a fortifying win for Auburn over Penn State. And certainly an Auburn team looking to avenge a close loss in Happy Valley a year ago. Also at 3.30 on Saturday in the ABC world, Ole Miss travels to Georgia Tech, the Rebels sorting through that quarterback competition through the first two weeks. Uh, Take care of business against Central Arkansas, as you anticipated the Rebels would on Saturday. But with Luke Altmyer getting the start in that game, Brent, has there been anything since that would indicate Lane Kiffin has come to more of a decision where the every week starter is going to be? Is it going to be Jackson Dart? Is it going to be Luke Altmyer? Nothing definitive as of yet. So uh, it may be one of those, uh, well, whoever runs on the field at the first, uh, that's where we are. Dart, 10 to 15, 182. Altmeyer, 6 of 13 for 90. Certainly not great numbers uh, along that line. But I tell you what's got a lot of attention, and you mentioned this early on, Travis, Zach Evans and Quinson Junkins, uh, that Ole Miss running back room has gotten some attention. Uh, I, I'm wondering, is this Lane's best running game uh, that he has had arguably since he has been uh, to Ole Miss? Uh, that, that's going to be interesting to see. Georgia Tech, 1-1. Uh, they did beat Western Carolina. Jeff Sims from Jacksonville, pretty pedestrian day, 8-17 of 17 for... Uh, 100 yards uh, on that one, but uh, uh, look after after this game, uh, Tulsa before a humongous October one game between Ole Miss and Kentucky and Oxford. So uh, Lane still got what Trav a couple of weeks to get this quarterback situation straightened out. He does, and you know, look, Ole Miss has had good backs. Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor, most mm-hmm. recently. That was a heck of a one-two punch. It was. I think it may be time, though, to talk more about this Ole Miss offensive line. I thought that group was one of the better returning groups in the SEC going into the season, and I think we're seeing that continue to play out. And, um, you know, from a receiving perspective, there was so much talk about Michael Trigg coming in from USC at the tight end position, and understandably so. He's been a heck of an, uh, an addition. But you know, Jonathan Mingo, I think, showed yes. you against Central Arkansas with 103 receiving yards, including just an incredible catch or two. Uh, he's very capable. Very uh, not going to say he's DK Metcalf or anything, but <laughs> as a weapon on the outside, Jonathan Mingo can get some things done there. Georgia Tech can't score enough this week. You alluded to some of the offensive struggles. That's been the reoccurring question, it feels like, since Jeff Collins took over that program. Uh, a few years back. Also at 3.30 on Saturday, you're going to have on CBS Sports Network, the Vanderbilt Commodores coming off their first loss of the season at the hands of the Wake Forest Demon Deacon, Sam Hartman. Did he have to come back last weekend, Brent? <laughs> I think that's what Vanderbilt is no. asking itself no. after that game. But 
This is interesting because Vandy is actually going to DeKalb, Illinois, mm-hmm. to take on Northern Illinois, a MAC opponent on the road. Well, uh, and Hartman coming back really uh, uh, <laughs> just a disastrous game, frankly. Not only was Hartman really good, but Trav, you had a situation where Mike Wright wasn't uh, eight of fifteen for thirty-five yards. Oof, uh, as our as our uh, late friend Greg Larson would say. Uh, also, AJ Swan got in a little bit, eight of eleven for one forty-six. Um, uh, Romain Davis ran the ball okay uh, at that point, but look, that this this is an important game for Vanderbilt. Uh, if they could come out. And be three and one going to Tuscaloosa, and uh, they're not going to win that game, but that would give them a little bit of confidence uh, going at this point. But again, a uh, good good call of uh, that is interesting them them going to Northern Illinois, who has been a pretty good squad over the last few years. They're not they're not great, but they're fairly consistent, and they've had a few good years. Going way back, I was in Bryant-Denny Stadium, I want to say, in 2003 yes. Oh, yes. Yes. when the Huskies mm-hmm. of Northern Illinois and Michael the Burner Turner yes. at running back, played a long time in the National Football League, Turner did, went into uh, Tuscaloosa and beat Mike Shula in the Crimson Tide all those years ago. So, yeah, Vanderbilt will be interesting to watch. Wright took a big shot in that loss Saturday. I thought Swan showed some good things in what I saw yeah. of him. So the quarterback carousel at Vanderbilt, who knows? Maybe it'll continue to rest with Wright, but I think Swan at least gave them something to feel good about and perhaps consider going with in the not-too-distant future. Also at 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday, SEC Network, Louisiana Monroe, Terry Bowden, <laughs> former head coach at Auburn. Three and two career against Alabama in Iron Bowls, but it will be Terry's first visit to Tuscaloosa. Iron Bowls uh, back in Terry's time were not yet contested right. or contested again in Tuscaloosa, but Alabama survives that road trip to Austin. Bryce Young goes Bryce Young in the fourth quarter, but man, you talk about inconsistency on offense and give Texas some credit for it. Played extremely hard, had a good plan, but Alabama, it's not like this next game or two isn't a stretch where Bill O'Brien and those guys can't work to get some things solved. Well, they've got a lot in front of them. Uh, Obviously, they've got to uh, uh, possibly tweaks on the offensive line. Uh, We'll look forward to your writing on that as as certainly as a week goes along. Uh, The... uh, uh, got away from really running the ball, but Texas had a lot to uh, do with that. Still trying to get some production from these wide receivers who are having trouble getting uh, some separation during this time. Jameer Gibbs, uh, I thought, played well and what was certainly a very important target in catching the ball as that continued. Give Quinn Ewers a lot of credit. I mean, he looked tremendous, 9 of 12, 134. Before he got hurt, and even Hudson Card coming in, fourteen or twenty-two for one fifty-eight. I, I I thought a lot of ways a really good plan for Sark that, that he had that they'd obviously been working on for months and months. But uh, the fifteen penalties, uh, the uh, 
the Alabama's defense inability to create turnovers that we've seen so far. Uh, I did think that Terry and Arnold played well for Kyrie Jackson when he came in. Jalen Moody is one of the better linebackers in the league right now. Uh, really impressed with him. Um, Travis, I'm, I'm joining a lot of people in questioning the, uh, the 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 play calling on fourth and one uh we're about to get stopped with with your third string back and you're going from a shotgun uh in that situation and we see teams do it every week but i do think a bright spot for the tide coming up in the next few weeks jojo earl aaron anderson and tyler harrell uh being able to come back for that arkansas game will help immensely yeah, they need uh, they need more legitimate speed and not just speed, but guys who can actually make plays. Yes, uh, it's nice to have vertical threats, but can you actually execute with them and hit on opportunities? Because right now, anything down the field isn't happening for Bryce Young in, in the passing game. And um, the backs were very much a big part of the game plan and it looked good early. Because you saw good stuff from Jameer Gibbs and Jace McClellan in that 10-point first quarter. But, boy, the midsection of that game, uh, not just offensively either, because so many defensive penalties yes. for Alabama that uh, were very helpful to Texas. And, um, you know, it was a heck of a sort of precursor to what we're going to see, hopefully, in the coming years with Texas coming in the league. The only thing I'll say is, the crew that called that game can stay back in the Big 12. I think even both teams would agree yes. on that. Uh, yeah, that was yes. not a well-officiated football game at all. And, uh, yeah, Alabama needs a couple weeks to, to get some guys back and uh, get a better understanding of what they have and what those guys can do with an emphasis on this offensive side of the ball before they take that back on the road to a place like Fayetteville, Arkansas, on October the 1st. Hey, Let's get into that 6 o'clock window there on ESPN. This might be my favorite game of the day, and as much as anything because it's critical in the SEC West with Mississippi State coming off an impressive performance at Arizona late Saturday night in Tucson and LSU getting a much-needed home win, a feel-good win over neighboring uh, Southern there on uh, Saturday night in Death Valley. Uh, I, again, I'm, I, I'm excited about this matchup. Last time Mississippi yes. State went to Death Valley, took care of business pretty good. Well, uh, I stayed up. Uh, I made it trapped about the uh, end of the third quarter. I wonder how Pops did, by the way, uh, in, that, in that Mississippi State game last Saturday night before I started hallucinating because of a lack of sleep. But, but again, uh, the uh, – I, Look, I don't think State's got enough credit for what they've done so far. I mean, I mean, Will Rogers continues to put up video game numbers, and um, we know a lot of these passes are less than 10 yards, but 39 of 49, 313. Dylan Johnson had 60 yards. Raw Thomas had 63, so their backs are coming up. I mean, Rogers is completing 80% of his passes, nine touchdowns at uh, in, in this point. But uh, Zach Arnett's defense uh, is a top 30 defense all the way around and, and, and frankly, getting better. So uh, the uh, uh, now LSU 
some guys coming back. It's going to be important. John Emery, the running back, is expected to come back against Mississippi State. Uh, B.J. Ojolari is also going to be back uh, in this point. They're trying to get Kayshawn Booty uh, some more touches. Hopefully his body language will go along with that too. But Jalen Daniels played well against Southern, uh, 10 of 11 of 137. Garrett Nussmeyer got in a little bit uh, with that too. But look, I'm I'm with you. This this probably along with the uh, uh, the Miami A and M game as far as interest in the league uh, it is a humongous game in a lot of ways. And 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 Trav, at this point, uh, I w- I would actually favor State a little bit. I I think they're more consistent. I think they're playing better defense. Not saying LSU can't win the game, but I've been impressed with what the Pirates done so far with this team. DraftKings changed the fantasy football game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. That's right, there's a new way to enjoy daily fantasy football and a new shot to win millions in prizes. All of it from the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, you'll craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, just like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TP. PN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season long and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Staying in that 7 o'clock or that evening window, Brent, 7 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network Plus, Bobby Petrino. How about that? <laughs> Back in Fayetteville, Bob bringing his Bears of Missouri State 2-0 headed to Arkansas this weekend. The Razorbacks, as we talked about early, earlier, very impressive in the 44-30 win over visiting South Carolina last Saturday. Oh, Wow. What a what a storyline for us! Uh, a real treat, maybe that we weren't anticipating all that much heading into week three. Uh, I read somewhere on Twitter earlier uh, that what uh, it, it, how appropriate would it be if Petrino came out of the uh, locker room with his team <laughs> r- riding a motorcycle? So uh, ah, jeez, <laughs> uh, that's one of those. Uh, uh, that's one of those, as Sonny Smith, the former Auburn, used to say, I don't think I'd have told that, but, (laughs) uh, but, but but look right now, uh, I mean, Arkansas is playing so well, uh, in that South Carolina win KJ Jefferson, 18 to 21, 162 adds another 62 on the ground rocket Sanders. It just frankly, unbelievable 156 yards. Uh, in the game, they're they're very physical at the point of attack. Uh, they've not trailed. They are cons- that they are almost Georgia consistent. Sanders, 
two 100-yard games. And I'll tell you what, Trav, and you call this one too, uh, the other Sanders, one Drew Sanders. Trav is, is, Huge. Trav, is there a more effective linebacker in the league right now than Drew Sanders? And they use him beautifully in that Barry Odom defense. They kind of Dante Hightower him a little bit. We saw Dante when he was in – at Alabama, which of course drew Sanders previous stop, you'd see him inside on early downs and then kick him outside, rush the passer. But the thing about drew Sanders is he can play in coverage. And you yes. saw some of yes. that last year at Alabama, some of his best work as a freshman at UA was in coverage. And now it's just all being brought together in this multi-purpose linebacker role. And he's a physical specimen. If you haven't seen this cat, up close he's six three six four ish maybe more 235 240 pounds and can just absolutely run a guy in high school and drew sanders that they would use in texas high school football by the way you know high level high school football he would he would line up in the wildcat run the football he was a great tight end uh just a heck of an athlete and it's it's really showing up so yeah, Arkansas in a great place, as we know, some big, big games on the horizon for um, for the Razorbacks. But, uh, yeah, Bobby Petrino back in Fayetteville on Saturday night. That'll, that'll rouse the home crowd a little bit. <laughs> Speaking of back, it's back to the Mac for Tennessee following the Volunteers' big road win in overtime at Pitt. Didn't look good early, Brent. No. But the Vols showed some resolve, and there you go. Big ranked win opponent, uh, big win over a ranked opponent for Josh, Josh Heifel's team. I thought that was a character win for Tennessee, uh, frankly, uh, to be able to uh, go to overtime. Uh, it, it was a game that went both ways at different times. Uh, again, Hendon Hooker. Uh, continues to, uh, to to really light it up. He has, uh, frankly, improved from last year, and he was really good last year too. So, and and the receiving core, uh, I think, is is certainly helping him out uh, along that way. But boy, Cedric Tillman's having a year, and he Travis nine catches, 162 yards uh, in the game. Uh, he really looked good. McCoy the uh, USC transfer also helped them uh, in that game. They were able to run the ball, uh, a, a, I thought, a little bit better, uh, and hopefully that will continue for them. Uh, but it it very very much was a uh, was was a win they needed. And look, everybody knows what's on the horizon. Florida comes in next week uh, in a big Eastern. Uh, division showdown a little that way. And, and, and I thought, frankly, Travis, uh, w- one thing that, w- that we've certainly been harping over the last several months uh, is that uh, Tennessee defense, four sacks and 16 quarterback hurries, I thought was a step in the right direction for that group. Yeah, secondary playing pretty good. Um, able to get Keaton Slovis out of that game. You, yes. you saw some SEC teams go on the road Saturday. Alabama did it with Quinn Ewers, uh, and Tennessee did it with Keaton Slovis and get that starting quarterback out of the game there in the first half and, and make things a lot tougher on those offenses. So Tennessee now ranked in the top 15 in the national polls. will host the Zips of Akron Saturday night, 7 o'clock Eastern SEC 
Network Plus. On SEC Network at 7.30 Eastern on Saturday night, the Florida Gators host the South Florida Bulls, making the short drive up really 301. You can come up through there from Tampa to Gainesville. But Florida trying to recover from a disappointing loss and a concerning performance from Anthony Richardson, given the way that he played against Utah in that season opening win. And as much as anything, what I heard from Anthony Richardson post game concerned me. He spoke freely about, look, didn't hit some throws maybe early in the game. And my confidence was shot from that point forward. And if you're a Florida fan, that's, that's worrisome because we're only two games into this thing. You know, we're only one sec game into this thing. And so you, you, you got to consider and, and can be concerned about, is this guy wired in a way that he's going to be able to handle the ups and downs that come inevitably with, with conference action. I, I really thought that if they would have had Jack Miller ready, the, Ohio State uh, quarterback who transferred to Florida, uh, that they could have put Miller in for a series or two and and just let Richardson get on the sidelines uh, and just calm down, I think would have helped him. And again, I give Kentucky a lot of credit. That that defense is better than a lot of people realize. Uh, But again, Richardson throwing two touchdowns. Uh, They asked him about the pick six. He said, look, uh, that's on me. I just threw it at the dude. Uh, And, and there's no doubt that that, that's a, uh, that is a real concern. I think some positives for Florida, Montreal Johnson, uh, seven for 62, Trevor ETN uh, showed some promise. They quite right. Eight for 24. So the, uh, the, the the running game, I think they went away from it um, maybe a little bit earlier than they probably should have. But, but Travis, they were up. Uh, I know you remember this. Florida was up 16-7 to seven after that safety and, yeah. uh, and were virtually cruising at that point. Uh, I, I heard one uh, Gator beat writer say, uh, on Tuesday, they're they're up sixteen to seven, uh, and if they just run the ball the rest of the game, they probably would have won the game, uh, which is probably some validity to that. Uh, also, but Trav, I tell you this: in the fourth quarter, if they would even pull the Kentucky defense off the field, I think Richardson would have had trouble hitting receivers. Uh, he he was he was not in a good place whatsoever. Now, South Florida coached by Jeff Scott, uh, is struggling big time, particularly defensively. They've given up 70 points and 1,059 yards of total offense in two games. So uh, they may feel a little bit better, but we we both know, Trav, the last thing Florida needs to do next week, we'll get into that more next week, is they can't survive a track meet right now with Tennessee. No, and they need the confidence builder that it sounds like that South Florida defense might be able to provide to yes. them this week, but entirely different animal uh, when you think about Tennessee and in the environment that it's going to come along with that matchup with the balls. Late night coming up on Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, Miami with Mario Cristobal makes the trip to College Station to take on a wounded Texas A&M team, a Texas A&M team that fell victim to Sunbelt Saturday, Brent. Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, you know, we talked about the quarterback situation throughout the offseason, into the preseason, into the season. 
I think we were both surprised with the choice of Haynes King in a lot of ways. Um, Haynes is was not great in the loss to Appalachian State. I, I thought as much. The thing that surprised me as much as anything in watching that game back was that Appalachian State didn't just hang in up front. And in <laughs> really? some instances, absolutely right. had its way yes. with with Texas A and M at the the point of attack. But we're going to talk quarterback, obviously, and. I guess Jimbo was asked about it here earlier in the week and non-committal, I guess would be the best way to describe his response to, to where the Aggies might be going forward with that quarterback situation. Well, I might be going beyond non-committal with Max Johnson, frankly, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but Trav, I tell you the, the numbers uh, in this game, the one that really stuck out to me, and this is hard to imagine in modern day football uh, and this goes with your App State domination. Trev, App State had 82 plays. A&M had 38. It was 30, terrible. Trev, 38 in a modern football game. Uh, frankly, just absolutely unheard of. And I, I think the other thing, too, is you would think they would have been able to run the ball uh, with, with A-chain. That really didn't work either. They're 10 of 66. Uh, it, at this point, uh, what we know Jimbo's been ridiculed the whole week. That midnight yell certainly has got a lot of attention as they made fun of Appalachian State, where college football game day is going to be going uh, mm-hmm. at this point, too. Uh, uh, Trev, would we have said at the beginning of the year, knowing Jimbo, or at least with his reputation, the best quarterback on the field? Saturday night, it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke of Miami uh, uh, up against anything A&M's got on the sideline. Yeah, it just seemed like a lesson you didn't have to learn. Really? To, uh, I don't know. And, and I know that Haynes King brings a little more dynamic ability and his legs and those type of things. But if you're truly a championship caliber team, and really the spot you need to address is quarterback, and you get Max Johnson in your lap. And I'm not going to sit here and try to tell anybody that Max Johnson is Tua Tonga Vailoa at Alabama or, you know, any of these guys, any of the greats. But I I think that's a game that you probably win with Max Johnson at quarterback. And so, and that's also understanding you talk about plays and the, the things like that. Jimbo doesn't get in a hurry on offense, hardly no, ever. No. Tempo is not Jimbo Fisher's thing. I think you're hearing a lot of that after Saturday, that Jimbo's outdated in his offensive approach. But I think as much as anything, it goes back to the selection at the quarterback position. So it'll be fascinating to see which way that goes. I don't think, I don't think Miami should have enough to win in College Station uh, Saturday night, but damn. Uh, dysfunctional is the only way yes. I know to describe the the A and M offense. Uh, well, right now, and, and, and Trav, to me, looking ahead, what what really gets difficult is next week is Arkansas in Jerry's yeah. world. Then you're going to Mississippi State. Then you're going to Bama. Yeah, uh, uh, Trav, somebody. Oh, you're uh, you're set up for a potential four or five game losing. You really are. Here. You really are, and, and, and there. People, I don't think it'll happen, but it's 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 in the discussion. It is, it is. There's no doubt about. It. I mean, there are people th- saying this week A and M could start two and seven 
or something yeah. like that. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think that will happen either. Uh, I think some of these, particularly the line of scrimmage, uh, is going to grow up uh, as the season goes along. But the these next two or three games, and I won't hesitate to say the next two games are, are crucial for their season coming up. No doubt about it. Well, Brent, there's your schedule for the upcoming week. There is a preview with a review, kind of a hybrid there for you, kind of like Drew Sanders, yes. a linebacker. You know, Always a lot of fun, Brent. Anything else before we get out of here? Well, uh, the uh, uh, we'll just touch on these things. Uh, the situation at, at Notre Dame, uh, they were looking for a quick fix, and that has certainly not happened uh, starting this season so far. Uh, what a great performance by App State and Travis Charles Huff, uh, who was with Alabama at Marshall, uh, has really done an incredible job uh, at this point, it, he deserves a lot of credit. Certainly, Nebraska starting over. Clay Helton uh, and Georgia Southern beat them at that point. And and, and look, uh, anybody who's struggling in the SEC on offense, all you've got to do is look toward Iowa, who has 316 total yards in the first two games. Trev, Iowa has 16 punts. And fourteen total, fourteen total points. Can you, Trav? Can you imagine in the SEC if there was an SEC team that had those numbers? Uh, how wild that fan base would be going right now? Well, Alabama fans are losing it right now. Yeah, with with yeah. Bryce Young at quarterback. No, it sounds like you got a nepotism situation maybe up in Iowa City too. Yes, it's reminiscent yeah. to me of Jeff Bowden Good with point. Bobby Bowden at yes. Florida State. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of rings of that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's that's rough, Brent. Hey, as always, man, enjoy hooking up. Enjoy spending our time together here on Second Helping. And if you haven't subscribed to the Second Helping podcast, we hope that you'll do so. Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would help us out tremendously as well. Look forward to doing it again next week, Brent. Me too, bud. We'll, we'll enjoy another great week coming up. Yes, we will. Fun weekend coming up in Southeastern Conference action. For Brent, Travis, thanks again, everybody. Have a great weekend. Till next time, so long, everybody.